Good morning. Are you the nine o'clock service? I, I'm not sure. Good morning. Nice. That was an incredible time of worship. Hey, we get this opportunity today. Denise Hayes, come on up if you would. Uh, I want to introduce you to Denise Hayes. Some of you may know her. Denise has been the principal at North Elementary for the past 11 years. She was a principal in the Lakota District before that for several years. She's been in education forever. She's from Youngstown, Ohio, close to my heart because it's close to my home. And uh, she's going to talk about our Christmas store today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, church family. I'm so excited to be here. I do have the honor and the privilege to service the students of this community. So I live in this community. I do consider it, consider it an honor to work with the children of this community. I do want to talk to you about the Christmas store. And thank you so much for your generosity in helping us to make the Christmas store run. Uh, a little bit about the Christmas store. It started as a small thought of a way to give back to the children of this community. Fairfield East and Living Hope Church had this idea of how can we help the kids who are in need in our area. Uh, Fairfield East and Living Hope Church wanted to do more than just give a wrapped package to a child. Sometimes when you get those packages, you have no idea what's inside of that package. So they said, what can we do to make this more meaningful for these families? They decided to come up with a concept of how can we give these families an experience, an experience where they can come and have some dignity. So they said, let's create more of a store type atmosphere. So instead of just giving that wrapped package, they said, we'll create a store where families can come and have this experience where they can select gifts that they know that their kids are going to like. We're going to provide coffee and donuts and have them come and talk with people so they know that they are truly cared about. So as the need continued to grow within the township, they decided to invite Fairfield North. And I said, of course, we have kids that can benefit from this experience as well. So as it grew with our school, I decided to say, hey, Pastor Scott, we reached out to you guys over here at Community Christian to say, do you guys want to be a part of this? You guys are a big piece of this community as well. So now we have both of the township schools. We have a major church within the township. And he said, come and use the comm. You know, it's a great space. We can include all of the major players, and we're benefiting all of the kids and the families that need our help within this community. And it has grown into the most wonderful, wonderful experience for these kiddos and these, and these families. So thank you for the support of this endeavor. I just want to share with you, these families feel like they have a stake in the game. We charge a nominal fee of $5. They come in on a Saturday. They have a personal shopper that goes with them. They get to choose, you know, a multitude of gifts that they select for themselves. They take these gifts home. We give them the tape. We give them the wrapping paper. But more importantly, get, they get to leave with the feeling of, I've been wrapped with God's love. And people know that they, they're cared about. They've had an experience. There was one year that that a family came through and they told us that they didn't have heat that year. So we made sure we ran out, we got them heated blankets, we got them space heaters, and we just 
gave them and met that basic need for them. It was fantastic, and there's not a year that families don't leave without crying. And just knowing that not only we're there for the school or as the church, but we're just there to let them know that as a community, we're here for you and we care for you. And I know that we are Fairfield Township, but honestly, the needs are growing greater and greater year by year. This year, we are servicing a total of 62 families and 186 students. That's more than we have ever served, and the numbers continue to grow. So I thank you in advance for your support of our program, and just know that what you're doing makes a difference. Thank you so much for all that you do, and happy holidays to all of you. Isn't it cool having great partners like Denise and Fairfield North and East Elementaries that, that we're doing life together with? You know, I love that as a pastor. I absolutely love that. And you all, I mean, we brought this massive bag of ornaments that they had given us that first week, and they were, that, was, that was Contribute Sunday as well. They were gone. I mean, hundreds of them were just gone. And they brought more back this, this last weekend. I think we had three left before the 9 o'clock service out of another 50 or 60 or 70 they dropped off this week, and they were gone before the 9 o'clock service happened. So you all find a family and give, all right? I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can say. Don't keep your, 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 your goodness to yourself. Show that, express that to the people around us, and especially in things like we're doing here as a group effort together. Well, guys, I got an early Christmas present last week. My wife came home from work and she said, this is, this is an early present for you and I just want to put this up here. You know you're clapping that the Bengals lost, right? I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I, I don't know what else that means, but no, it was a great game and we were really glad to be able to go and, and um, I did not pick one fight. It was an amazing... And amazing. I had some Bengal fans chirping at me from behind, but I didn't pick a fight. So anyway, let's jump back into our series today called Leading Those You Love. Online campus, we love you all. Glad you're with us as well. Leading those you love. And the people you love could be a spouse, could be a friend, it could be your kids. But this series is all about impacting the people around us. I think most of us have felt a desire to just pour into the next generation. At some point in your life, you're like, man, you know, this next generation is so important. I want to find a way to, to help them be better, to be more than what they currently are. And you felt this desire to pour in to that next generation. And it might be a niece. It might be a nephew. It might be a cousin. It might be your kids. It might be some neighbors. But you want to prepare them for the future. And that's a massive challenge. That's the challenge our school systems face every single day. That, that's the challenge that the churches face. That's the challenge that organizations face. We want to help the people around us. But the problem is not many of us have been trained in how to lead the people that we love, right? Now, we might do, do that somewhat naturally. We might pass on our values and, and the things that we've been taught growing up and those kinds of things, and those are vital, but we don't have much training in that. But here's the deal. I think every single one of us, we want to find a way to help the people around us 
live an incredible life that God has created them for. And it doesn't matter who you are, your background, what you've done in your past, those things don't matter. We all want to find that life that God has created us for. And if we're looking at our kids specifically and the kids around us, you know, all of us want our kids and, and neighbors and, and cousins and whoever to be happy, to be healthy, to be loving, to be kind, to be hardworking, to be respectful. But the top priority in those kids' lives and those people's lives always have to be that they grow up godly, right? That has to be a top priority. I'm going, you know, you're in church. That's what you're supposed to say. No, that's, that's from the bottom of my heart. That's what I see in our culture around us. We need kids growing up godly because out of godliness comes everything else that we want them to be. And it's backed up with a power that's stronger than any other power in the universe. As a matter of fact, the power is so strong, it created us and it created this universe. That's the power of God. And when your kids are godly, they get to live out things like Galatians chapter 5. This is the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that we want for our kids. We want our kids to, to, to have love. And we want our kids to have joy. And we want our kids to have peace. And we want our kids to have patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's no law against those. There's no attack that's going to happen against those. Those are what create us to be the kind of godly people that create incredible societies. That's what we want for our kids, and that's what we want for ourselves. You, you know, here's the deal. If we don't train the next generations... If we choose not to be involved in their lives, someone else will be involved in their lives. And some of those people are not godly people, not good people, not respectful people. They're dangerous and they're harmful and they would rather destroy those kids rather than build them. We need to protect the children around us from those people being part of their lives. Now, that's not only true with raising our kids. But if we're looking at leading the people we love, those things are also true in our marriages. We want our marriages that to be filled with Galatians 5, right? We want our marriages to have love. Anybody want a marriage without love? No? Anybody want to have a marriage without some joy? Without a little bit of peace? Without some patience, some kindness, some goodness, some faithfulness, some gentleness, some self-control. We want those things in our marriages. We want those things for our lives because they're important. So let me ask you a question. How's your marriage? How's your marriage? Pretty good? Average? Below average? On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, we're a 3. On a scale of 1 to 10, we're a 9. You know, how's your marriage right now? It's such a key challenge to keep our marriages intact. 
I mean, there are people everywhere trying to destroy them. I think it's really important to remember that it's just not what's happening on the inside of your marriage that either keeps them healthy or destroys them. There's a spiritual battle that's happening all around us every day. And the leader of that battle is Satan. And his whole goal, he came to kill, destroy. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a destroyer. That's what he wants to do to your marriage. It just is. Now, he's looking for an opening in your marriage so he can put a foot in, so he can put something inside of your marriage to destroy your marriage. Because if he can destroy your marriage, guess what happens? He destroys your family. And I know, I know kids are resilient, and they have a lot of resilience to them. But listen, no kid is okay when the, the mom and the dad are divorced and they're hurting and they're angry at each other and they're, they're, they're not working. No kid is okay through that. Now, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of, a, a lot of love to rebuild relationships. And we need to be focusing on that because we don't want our kids to have to suffer through that. Now, here's the deal with this. If in your past you have a divorce situation that happened to you, if your marriage has just fallen apart, whatever the case is, we are not condemning you at all. All right, we're not condemning that. We love you. We care about you. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be okay. We want to lift you up and support you and get you prepared for whatever is next in your life. But if that's part of your life, we love you. If that's happening in your marriage and you're still married now, married now, we want to support you enough and give you the keys so that you can rebuild your current marriage and make it everything that God wants it to be. Because again, if Satan can destroy our family, our marriage, he destroys our family. If he can destroy our families, he can weaken our communities. And if he can weaken our communities, he can erode our purpose and our values and our culture. Just look around. On any given day, there are so many people that don't respect the value of marriage. They just don't. They're willing to walk around and kind of check to see if there are any doors unlocked. Any windows they might be able to prop open a little bit. They want to see you, and they want to be part of your life. They don't care about your family. They don't care about your spouse. They just want to be with you, and they want you to give in to them. And it happens every single day, because a lot of our marriages, the doors are wide open. A lot of our marriages, they're not locked up tight. And when we leave our marriages unlocked... Guess what happens? Destruction, heartache, you know, pain. And a lot of that is going around right now. It's just sad but true that most of us wouldn't even know if someone broke in and stole the most valuable, valuable possession that we have, which is your spouse. You wouldn't even be aware of that because we don't see it coming until it's too late. There are marriages struggling all around us. Maybe it's yours, maybe it's a friend's, but it breaks God's heart to see it. You know why? Because God loves you. He doesn't want you hurting. He doesn't want you to deal with that kind of pain. He doesn't want you to have to deal with that type of devastation. He loves you, he cares about you, and he wants you to be healthy in those kinds of ways. Ladies, how many of you, when you were little, did you fantasize about having the perfect wedding? Any of you, ladies, raise your hands. Yeah, did you have like 
pictures cut out of magazines. You made a storyboard. This is what my husband's going to look like. These are what my kids are going to look like. You even named your kids, Biff and Buffy. I don't know what you named them, but you named your kids, right? And, and you're going, this is, my, this is my future. This is my perfect guy living in a perfect house, married, and, and having perfect kids before you even had them. Ladies, let me open your worlds and your eyes to what guys are thinking, all right? This is what guys are thinking. Wondering how I can get my wife the perfect Christmas gift when she already has me. All right, we're clueless, right? But that's what we're thinking. We don't see beyond that. I, I mean, we just, we, we just don't. Um, guys, when you were a teenager... What was your fantasy about marriage? And was it a little different than what maybe some of the women experienced as girls' fantasies about marriage? Guys, how many of your fantasies about marriage was about living your entire married life like you're on your honeymoon? Good food and lots of body-to-body contact. Is that what it was? Some of you are still trying to figure out how that works in your life because it's not happening, you know, for most of us. But that was, that was your idea of the perfect marriage when, when you were a kid. It, some of you are going, I don't believe you just said that in church. Yeah, I just said that in church, right? <laughs> it's interesting how sometimes our expectations of what we thought marriage would be don't quite live up to what our marriages turned out to be. They're just different. Because our expectations were wrong to start with. And when you look around, you have to admit that so many marriages are just not working. Have you read the statistics lately? About 50, 50, about 50% of your marriages will fail. That, that's incredibly shocking, isn't it? 50% of the people that get married will, will be divorced. That, that doesn't speak too highly of it. Or we're doing something not quite right. In any other area of your life, if there was something that stood a 50% chance of failing and it was important to you, wouldn't you do everything in your power to protect it and to fight for it? You better believe you would. Everything in your power. Let's just say you have a 50% chance of being attacked by a bear on your way to get your mail tomorrow. 50% chance. What are you going to do? Not get your mail. Yeah, that's the cop-out answer. I'm not getting my mail. Okay, there's a million-dollar check in your mailbox, and it's only good for tomorrow, right? So you got to go get it. What are you going to do? Man, you're going to load up, right? You're going to have guns. You're going to have body armor on. You're going to have Cousin Eddie hanging out of your top window in the house with a rifle. I mean, you're going you're gonna to protect as much as you can protect. You'll do everything you can. You'll be ready. Why don't we do that with our marriages? Why are so many marriages just one day away from divorce court? Why? I get why a lot of people think, again, the generations coming up that, ah, oh, we'll just live together for a while, that, that'll be fine. Because you don't see any healthy marriages. You don't see any, they don't see any marriages working. 
They don't see any reason to be married. And again, when you live together before marriage, your, your, your chances of divorce go up astronomically when you get married because there's no commitment value there to begin with. And so it doesn't work anyway. But, but you're looking at that going, I'm not sure that a great marriage is even possible. Let me just say this. It absolutely is. It's possible to have a great marriage, but it takes work and it takes trust. And, and it takes dedication, and it takes God to make that happen. Jimmy Evans wrote a book called Marriage um, on the Rock, and we've done some of Jimmy Evans' stuff in the past here, and, and he talked about the vow of priority. This is really an important vow. In our culture, we believe and we promote and we do a lot of movies or fairy tales or love stories on this one idea. Are you ready? That to be really fulfilled in life, you have to meet the one. Dun, dun, dun. We need music playing right there every time I say the one. You know, it just has to be. Why? Because it's magical. It's mystical. You have to meet the one. And to be really happy, to really have a life that has meaning, you have to meet the one perfect person that gives you goosebumps every time you see them. That when you think about them, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. The one person that Tom cruises you. You have to be a certain age to get that. I, I, let's, let's just see if you know what that is. Can you finish Tom Cruise's line? You blank me. You complete me. Oh. You know what the biggest myth is? It's this. To be fulfilled in life, you have to meet the one person that completes you. It's not true. You're never going to find that one person. They, they, they don't exist. Don't miss this. The most important thing that I'm going to say today is this. When you're dating, when you get married, that person that you think is the one needs to be the second most important relationship in your life. You know who needs to be first? God does. Again, church answer, I get it, I know. But it's not because I see the failing marriages all around us, everywhere you look. Here's what Jesus said. He said, someone asked him what the most important thing is. He said, above everything else, make God number one. God is first, then other people. Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That's our theme here at Community. We want to love God and love people. But what comes first? You have to love God first. Because if you love God before you love people, you don't know exactly what that means, how to love them, how to treat them, how to be in their lives. If you love God first and you follow his plan, everything else falls into place. God has to be first. Your spouse has to be second. And your kids have to be third, and then everything else in your life. Now, don't miss what I'm saying here. Kids are incredibly important. Kids, the time that you have to spend with your kids, the, the moments you have to share with your kids, the amount of work that you have to put into your kids, that is not a small amount of time, right? Those are important factors in their lives and in your life, but your kids can't be the top priority in, in your life. It, it's it, it's kind of like this. There was a girl who was a Christian growing up and in college 
you know, she kind of walked away from Jesus. She got into, you know, a lot of the party kind of lifestyle. She was drinking way too much. She was doing drugs. She had sex with multiple people. And one day at a sorority party, she met this Christian guy, and she called her mom, and here's what she said. She said, Mom, this is the guy. I mean, he's perfect. He's a Christian. He's sweet. I think he's amazing. Here's what her mom said. She said, Honey, you need to understand if he's everything that you're saying, a guy like that is not looking for the girl that you are right now. Ouch. Ouch. A guy like that is not looking for the girl that you are right now. Now, she's not saying the girl that you're going to become. She's not saying the incredible woman that you have a chance of turning out being. She's not looking at that. She's looking at this moment, and she's hitting her daughter over the head with a two-by-four going, you need to be the person that he's looking for because he's not looking for you, honey. What a challenging statement that is. It's harsh. I love what Andy Stanley says about dating and marriage. He said, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. I know, not a great grammatical sentence. I I got that, you know, but it's a great statement. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. In other words, as you live for God, remember that he's preparing you for someone that you can serve alongside with, that you can do life with, that you can be intimate with, and that you can love. But God has to be the North Star. He has to be the top priority. He has to be number one. When you're growing up, when you're a kid, who's your number one, who who is that in your life, the number one relationship in your life? Your mom and dad, right? They're, They're They're the most important relationship, physical relationship you have. Why? Because they're providing for you. They're protecting you. They're they're, they're making sure you get fed. They're making sure you have clothes. They're making sure, you know, you get to school and you don't watch too much Bluey. I don't get that show. Honestly, I don't. Making sure you don't watch too much of that stuff, right? My granddaughter loves it. Anyway, that's what they're making sure because they're the primary physical relationship that you have. You always have to honor your mom and dad. If you don't, it doesn't go well for you in many things. But then your priority shifts from mom and dad to your spouse. God's first. Your spouse becomes your primary human relationship after God. And when you believe that your spouse is your number one priority, here's what happens. You idolize them, and then you're going to demonize them. That's what will happen. You idolize them. You're amazing. You're perfect. You're everything I ever wanted. You complete me. Okay, we got that, right? (laughs) Ladies, he's so laid back. He's so relaxed. Then you get married and you demonize him. He's a lazy bum. He won't mow the yard. He won't get off the couch. He won't fix anything. You won't even clean up your stuff. You idolize and then you demonize. That's how it works, right? Guys, she is so organized. She is so driven. She's amazing. You get married and the demonizing starts. She's driving me crazy. If she puts one more chore list up on this wall, I'm going to tear the whole freaking wall down. I just got to get out of here. You idolize them and then you demonize them. Here's the problem with that. We're asking our spouse to meet a need that they were not designed 
to meet. They weren't designed to complete you. God completes us. Your spouse can never complete you. God is designed to be number one, not your spouse. But we screw up our priorities all the time, and we wonder why our marriages are falling apart. It's because our priorities are out of whack. It's kind of what happens when you start dating. You make your girlfriend your priority, you make your boyfriend your priority, then you get married, and you're still the priority, and then you have kids, and guess what happens? God and your spouse get knocked off of number one and number two, and your kids come up to your only priority because they're all consuming, and then husbands get jealous like, well, I have to go, and I and they'll pull their, pour themselves into work, and maybe the wife drops the kids off for daycare and pours herself into work, or maybe she pours herself into the kids, and suddenly the marriage relationship is on the back burner and the heat's turned off. Know what I mean? Okay, just think about it for a minute. You'll get it. There's no love in your marriage. There's nothing going on. And you're going, well, how did that happen? I I don't get it because you've lost your priorities. That's what happened. Have you ever been around people that that are close to dying? One of my honors as a pastor is I get to be around a lot of people that that are in those moments. And you see what their priorities really are in this life, right? I mean, you see them. Two things that matter when people are close to death are God and family. Now, you may not have worshipped God your entire life, but when you know that death is coming soon, you want to make sure that you know God. You know, I'm not sure about him. I don't know if he's real, but I need to find that out now because I don't have much time left. God becomes a very big priority in your life. And the second thing is people always ask for their families because they want to make sure and mend relationships that might have been broken they they want to make sure that they can they they can see their kids and their spouse and their grandkids one more time before they pass on to the next life and and those are the two most important values in this world in our lives whenever anything don't don't miss this whenever anything takes the place of god or takes the place of the priority of the marriage relationship even something good When those priorities are out of order, your marriage is always going to struggle. Always. You need God as the center to make your marriage what it's supposed to be. I can't say this enough. You have to protect the priorities. All right? You have to protect the priorities. Because it's not always bad things that destroy marriages. If you're going to get married in the future, if that's the stage of life you're, you're in right now, start thinking this. God needs to be number one. And then my spouse needs to be the second most important relationship in my life. God number one, then my spouse. Spouse will always be second. If you're married today and you're struggling, I can guarantee I'll take it back to this principle and this is part of the struggle. I'll guarantee it. Guarantee it. You're not putting God first. If you want your marriage to grow, how about doing something like this? How about you and your spouse, you serve God together. How about in this church? There are millions of things you can do to serve together. You get outside of this church. 
We have a homeless ministry you can serve at. We have food ministries you can serve in. We have, we have ministries where you can go and, and fix something in someone's house. We just did a massive Contribute Sunday a few weeks ago where we all went into our community and made a, an, an impact, made a, a difference. Take your spouse with you. Build together through those seasons of your life. Just do that. How about you seek Jesus together? When's the last time you prayed together? Have you ever prayed together? It's challenging because it takes some humility to be able to do that. When's the last time you read scripture together? I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I know the Bible is probably dusty in your house. You've got to brush the dust off, open it up a little bit, or maybe you use the version app. You open up a scripture. There's Bible reading plans out there. Maybe you do that together. And you start making that devotion time between you, your spouse, and God important in your lives. Here's an issue that my wife and I struggled with when we were raising her. I love my kids. My kids are great. Absolutely love them. 31, 27, and 25 right now currently. Love my kids. But we were a child-centered marriage. I mean, we really were. Our kids were first in our marriage. Anybody here? Child-centered marriages? Kids are first? It, most of us get into that stage at, at some point. And it's such a big mistake. Again, kids are incredibly important. Don't mistake what I'm saying. Don't take this the opposite way. Kids are vital that you pour into their lives and spend lots and lots and lots of quality and quantities of time with them. All right? but they can't, everything can't be about them. If you want to build your kids' lives, make your marriage a priority. If you want to build your kids' future, make your marriage a priority. If you want to love your kids, make it a priority to love your spouse. Take a look at strong marriages around us. Strong marriages produce <coughs> strong kids. And if your whole life revolves around your kids, that's the only common interest that you have at that point. And what happens? One day, your little boy's going to grow up. One day, your daughter is going to be in college. One day, your kids aren't going to live in your home anymore. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to look at each other and go, who are you? Because I don't know, because we haven't spent any time together to know who each other are anymore. You and your spouse are strangers in your own house, right? Because it's all been about the kids. And suddenly you realize there's no intimacy there because You've never focused on the intimacy and there's no relationship there because you haven't focused on the relationship. And, and, and you need to understand this. Kids are a temporary assignment, but marriage is a lifetime commitment. That's what Craig Rochelle says. I like that. They're a temporary assignment. How long do you have your kids for? 18 years? 19 years? 25 years? I don't know, it just depends, right? 
But you're not always a, you'll always be a parent and you'll always want to parent them. But we talked a few weeks ago about letting go of that parenting aspect and becoming a friend. And so you always want to parent your kids, but they're not going to be there for you to parent anymore because now they're adults and now they're friends and your role changes. They're a temporary assignment, but your marriage is till death do you part. Remember that vow? It's not until we're not happy anymore. It's not until you're not meeting my needs anymore. It's not until something better comes along. It's not, I'm going to trade you in on a newer model because you're kind of, you know, breaking down. It's till death do us part. That's the vow you made. That's the commitment you made. And that's the vow that you need to stick with. If you want your kids to succeed in marriage, show them what a God-honoring marriage looks like. Allow them to be part of a marriage that shows that love and expresses that love and that you're building each other up and that they're not first. You love them. You dearly love them. And you do everything you can for them. But the spouse is the primary relationship. And when they see that, they'll live that out in their lives. And then guess what happens? They're protecting the priorities and their marriages have a better chance of succeeding. And isn't that what we want for our kids? Isn't that what we want for ourselves? Ephesians 5 says this, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And how does God want us to love? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. That's God's way of marriage. And that needs to be our way of marriage. How about a little patience? How about a little love? How about something that's not envious, that's not boastful, that's not proud, that's not dishonoring, that's not self-seeking, that's not easily angered, that keeps no record of wrongs? That's the picture of a godly marriage. And my question is, do you have that? And if you don't, it's not too late. That's the great thing about us as people. We continue to change. We continue to develop. We can implement new habits and new ways of doing life and build a marriage that's going to be good to the grave and a marriage that you actually want to be a part of. That's God's way of marriage. And it needs to be yours. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray right now for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. God, may you just spark something inside of them to say, I've got to change my priorities. I've got to put you, God, first, and then my spouse, and then my kids, and then everything and everyone else. God, help me to focus the, those priorities on you so that we can have loving, peaceful, relationship-building lives just like you created us. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.